Wait for the peanut gallery to be quiet back there. Good morning, and if you're visiting with us, we are certainly glad to have you with us. If you'd like to open your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Most times when I'm up here, it's pretty much a topical lesson. It's not so much a line-by-line combing through uh, the text. I only have limited time with you, so I try to be as broad as I can and keep it a, and keep it on topic and try to give you something, give us all something to be edified by. And this morning um, is hopefully going to be a mix of the two. This is an informal class, so please, comments, questions. If there's something that pops into your mind, scripture-wise, please raise your hand. Let's bring it to everyone's attention so we can all be edified. This is as much a lesson for myself this morning as it is for any of you. So, um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, it's one of our examples. Um, in the beginning of verse 13, uh, the Apostle Peter begins to tell us about um, how to... Submit to authority. And I know Dave's touched on this. He's had a lesson about this within the past six months. Um, I feel this is extremely important for us, for myself, um, even as somebody who's not, who hasn't been around as long. We get caught up in the society that we live in and the patriotism of the society we live in. It's a great thing. We live in a fantastic place that allows us to do this right here without fear. Without fear whatsoever. As much as we look at the climate of political nature, regardless of your personal standing on it, we can obviously see the complete pendulum swing and the ebb and flow of it, right? Whether you were for one candidate or the other, we all just watched a year and a half ago as that pendulum took a heavy swing the opposite direction. I think that's safe to say. We got the opposite of what we had before. Regardless of what you agree with, that's where it went. And I think that's important for us as we look at the first century. What, kind, what type of climate did they live in? What are, we, what are we told as Christians that we should be and how we should act in that climate? Because we don't live in that type of... I think we can all agree we don't live in the first century. Um, my phone tells me we don't live in the first century. And... Um, and the pressure that we are under, we don't live that way. We live it emotionally more than we do physically. So I'd like to read a few verses here. I'm actually going to go backwards one into uh, or two into verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in... The thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they make because of your good deeds as they observe them. Glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as one in authority or to governors as set by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you will you and may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And I'll stop there. 
as we continue, even gets into servants, as people, someone who is owned by another individual, how to act that way. Um, but if we go back, the reason I think it's important to start with verse 11 rather than in the New American Standard, there's an actual subtitle heading in, in verse 13. Obviously, that's where a lot of times we'll start when we talk about the institutions of government. But I think it's important to go backwards a couple because I urge you as aliens and strangers. What's that? What does that mean? As aliens and strangers. What's that supposed to imply to the, to the individuals in which Peter's writing to? Where they're at. Yeah, it's not exact. That you, um, I live in Fort Myers, but this is not my home. As comfortable as I am, um, less than a mile away from here, I can't take so much comfort in the physical place that I live in that that's that this is the only place I want to be. Right? It's easy to get in my four walls and to. Just lay back and relax and not think about anything. In the city you live in, you're more comfortable. We go on vacation, we leave the place that we live in. And a lot of times you may enjoy where you're visiting. But if you're there long enough, how, how bad do you want to come back and get to your stuff, your bed? And that's where Peterson saying exactly this. Your home is not here. Your home is with Christ in heaven. You're an alien and a stranger permanently when you become a Christian. It's not to say that you're not going to know the place that you're at, but the desire to be in a place should be, that desire should be higher than where you're at. And to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. I think that's pretty self-evident on what that's saying. That those things of comfort, those you may have those desires. I think sometimes we get caught up with the text. Anytime for myself, you hear the word lust, that's one thing very specific. That's the lust of the flesh. I think that's important to also take that word and to look at it. It's a desire for things. It's a desire for the comforts that we're in, that we're in as much as it is for the lust of the flesh. For a physical desire for a man or a woman, it's this. It, we have to feel that way about the desires that take us away from God. The thing, the desire for me to look at the news and hold my phone in my hand and try to get more information. What information am I really getting? Is it more important for me to spend that time in the Bible, in the Word of Truth? Is that more important? That's an easy answer. I mean, I can sit here and look in the mirror and say, obviously, I'm not. I need to get myself in check on that, right? And I think we all have those things in our life that we put in front of it. I just want to sit back and relax for a while, and then how, how fast do we turn on the TV and sit back in a recliner? Well, I know sometimes ladies don't like to sit back in recliners. For every man in here, I know we all have a recliner somewhere, and we're in it. It's got a dent. So we have to, okay, we sit back, and then next thing you know, four hours pass. What do we do with that time? What do we do with that? And as we continue, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. This is a pretty powerful, pretty powerful piece of information here. 
Now, obviously, the book is intended more directly towards someone who was a Hebrew converted. Obviously, it's going to end up in the hands of the Gentiles. Very specifically, as we see in the book of Acts, Peter comes to fruition in the fact that the Holy Spirit reveals to him that this the word is not just for the Hebrew, it is for the Gentile. Why would that be so important that when we look at the term aliens and, and strangers, and as it gets into verse 12, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles? Why is that so important? I think that's exactly right. This, you're talking about people who are the chosen of God. And then you look at the man, as we saw in the Gospels, the man-made traditions of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They fully held themselves above the Roman Empire. They looked at all of that as complete disdain in, in all, everything that they created. They used it to their advantage when they, needed, when, when they felt the need to, right? How did they get Jesus on the cross? They just used that straight to their advantage. But I think it's extremely important... You have Gentiles just says Jesus used the, uh, the Samaritan as a parable. Who's your neighbor? That's coming straight back to this. Your neighbor is a Gentile. And in this situation, you're supposed to be someone who was ingrained in the, old, the prophecies and you understand that. Now you have the opportunity of that knowledge. And now combining that with the obedience to Christ and that knowledge to be that example to the Gentile. To be that example to your neighbor. Right, You're an alien and a stranger in this place, but that is your neighbor now. And just as Charles said, they were, they looked at each other with just, you were on the other side of the tracks, man. That's it. I, I, got, I don't need anything to do with you. But this is breaking down that barrier because the Gentiles are looking at someone who is a Hebrew as, well, you just think you're, you know, you're supposed to be up there in some tower and I'm just down here. And they're going to look at that individual if You've never met them. They're going to look at them with disdain. I went to the University of South Carolina. If you tell me you went to Clemson or you're a Clemson fan, I've got... I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to, I have an immediate breakdown of that. But that's the kind of... I mean, that's, that's it. If those individuals have that, that built-in strife... And we, we live that today, right? Society has... You know, something that made America different in the founding than other countries was this, was trying to break down immediately that class structure 
if you look at what they came from and every other government before it, that's the immediate change. There, it, there isn't going to be the class system, the lords, the king, the, the different subsects of that around the country that's going to simply write something down and dictate your life. That's what, so when we look at that transition to it, this is to, let's break that down around us as a Christian. As someone who knows, break that barrier down around you. Because they're going to look at you with disdain. So then, as we continue in verse 12, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. As Joe said, we're walking the walk. As they observe the good deed, you can't discount the good deed. You know, you cannot, we, we, see good, we can see good deeds if we look for them as much as we can see the bad things that happen around us. You watch the evening news, you're going to see a lot of bad stuff. But there's good stuff happening each and every day. And when people get a chance to observe that, it can change their outlook on an individual, on a group of people based on who that individual is associated with. Yeah. What's that, Jen? Well, or unless your name's Cam Newton. I mean, you can find, you name a person down the list. There's a lot of people, I'm sorry, I'm going to use a lot of football analogies. I, I cannot wait for three weeks. It's better than Christmas. Okay. But you, you can see a lot of clips as camps are starting up, things are going on, and a lot of people can get a bad rap. But when you see one video of Cam Newton stopping what he's doing and taking off every part of his uniform to hand it to kids to sign those things because he understands the importance of his position, right? You may, you may hate the Carolina Panthers. You may can't stand Auburn, can't stand who Cam Newton is because of his attitude on certain days. But there are times where he will stop and break that down. Okay, and, though, and every individual has that chance. We're not always on camera, but people are always watching us. You don't understand where you're at. You don't understand who's looking at you until you're actually doing it. And you may find out down the road. You may never find out. But I think that's a huge part of this. As someone who was a Hebrew, who understands that, you came with that certain stigma. You're, now you're, as a Christian under Christ, you're an alien here. And you've got people watching what you're doing. That are going to slander you. And as you're doing your good deeds, they're not going to have anything to say about that. If anything, they're going to have something good to say about it at the end. Oscar. You know, if you're not to uh, resist the command of God because uh, people speak evil
I think that's absolutely right. And, it, and it's not up for us, regardless if we're obedient, we do what the Lord commands us. Where's the most important place that we receive our glory? In heaven with him. It's not about here. If, if we're able to be that example and people are able to come to Christ because of it, and we never know it, that won't be the biggest self-confidence booster to us, right? If you don't know the fruits of your labor while you're here, we, are, we live in a way that sometimes you need a pat on the back. You need the motivation to continue going. Well, that's what the word is to us. The word is the motivation. We have to understand that. So as, as I was saying, it, it takes that time. Let, it, let your light so shine. Make it impenetrable. That's the emphasis of so shine, not just let it shine. Okay? Let it be that when something tries to stop it, it cannot. That's the difference. I think it's a great point. If we go into uh, verse 13, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution. I think it's pretty important for us to understand it's not just submit yourself to every human institution, right? For the Lord's sake. Why would that be so important for us to, for the Lord's sake, submit to the government? That's pretty difficult. I mean, for a lot of people in this country, it's a 50-50 split. For a lot of people, that's pretty hard. That's a hard pill to swallow for a minute. You got a lot of people that don't want to submit to the government. Exactly. Can can God use everything to his advantage? Can God use every single circumstance on that we go through? Does he give us the opportunity to actually let that shine through to, to glorify God, to spread the gospel? Is that is that out of God's control? I don't think so. I think it's extremely important. It shows the level. If you're willing to be obedient to the government physically here, does that not help you to continue in the word and to be obedient to God? Does that not give you the chance to continue? It, it's a it's joint. It's a joint structure there, because just like Kevin said, what happened? We wanted a king. We needed that structure. We felt like we needed that structure. God was the head, but okay, people wanted to. Ha- the Jews wanted to have it. Continuing on, it kept going, and as it went to Babylon captivity, things occurred. You look at Esther. Okay, you have a king that was talked into putting in an institution, uh, a law that's going to destroy Jews. Well, we're still able to see how thing, through the obedience to the structure of government, you can still, God can still work. Esther was still able to, with Mordecai's help, to make that happen, to save the Jews that are there under the rule. You know, if we look at Daniel, Daniel is not... Okay, he's thrown into the lion's den because of a law that was put in place just for the fact of destroying him and the Jews without his knowledge. It's, okay, this is going to happen. People are going behind your back to do that. And then he's submitting to it still, right? He's not going to say, well, based on the prophecies, based on my right because of who I am, I'm not going to be submitting to that consequence. I'm not going to submit to you. No, he still submits to it. And then we can see the outcome of those events, right? Now, is that to say today, if I'm thrown in a lion's den, I'm, I'm going to get ripped apart? Probably not. I mean, it's probably going to be a bad circumstance for me physically. But 
we have to understand we're aliens and strangers in this place. Debbie. Wives submitting to their husbands, but still continuing in their faith, have a chance to win their husband over, right, Jim? You really in the first century where they are, we really didn't see the light that they shine because some of them become candles themselves. They become much more than just a candle, right? It's, I mean, California wildfire, and they have that chance to be. They're they're that kind of beacon. I don't know if anyone's seen those videos. That's unbelievable. That's like literally a horror movie of a, of a flame flying. And that's what, that's, that's what this gets to become over time. You know, if they're doing what God wants them to do, it's not just a candle shining in a, in a small dark room. It's let's see this from space. And I think that's the kind of when we all these institutions, I think, help us to continue. Like Debbie said, we're as a Christian called to be subservient and obedient. And if we have multiple institutions in our lives that help us to remind us of that, then how habits, right? It takes time to build these habits. But if we put God first and be subservient and then we have these, we're going to follow the laws. We're not going to break the law. We're not going to, because the things are in place, the, the judicial systems will take care of those things because God instilled that God, the governments would have the power to, as we will continue reading, to put the punishment to the evildoers. It's not up to us. In those circumstances, to go hunt someone down and, and, and get our pound of flesh. Uh, one second, Oscar. Jesus, in the very beginning, wasn't he put through that suffering? I mean, 40 days without eating and fasting. And then Satan takes him up. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Let me throw you off a cliff. And you're the son of God. 
you know, and he still did not sin, and he was able to show us the way. How to get through that, Kathy? Exactly. The free will, right? And so with that, it doesn't mean that we're going to refuse the consequence. We may have to suffer that consequence. If we're going to be staples of Christ, there may be times. How many times did the apostles get thrown in prison? Did they run away? Did they say, you're not going to throw me in prison because of this? They just said, okay, you got carried off. And then they rejoiced in being in prison. I mean, none of us, I'm not going to rejoice in being in prison. I, I, I mean, I, I've got some things, to, and this is, like I said, this is a study for myself as much as anybody else. Okay. In saying that, too, you're not allowed to, to pay, pay evil with evil. So, and just like Deb says, you know, we're to, we're to be submissive, mm-hmm. we're to be in a way that's, like Joe said, God-like, and, you know, to put exactly. a shining light. To give someone, when they see your good deeds... They will have nothing to say about it. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, I just want to um, point out that a little bit more about that attitude that we're to have in that role as being submission. Absolutely. Authorities, types of those things. And I love what Jesus taught in, in the Beatitudes when he talked about the attitudes of a, of a person. When he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those born. Blessed are those the gentle, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. On and on, you put that same attitude to what we need to have in that daily part of our lives. When we want, sometimes we want to get well enough over certain things that we really don't have any control of. Exactly. Keep it in perspective. You guys probably heard this when I, when I try to tell Rebecca all the time, I love you! And I scream it at her because we're just so happy. How much are you going to win someone over when you're screaming and yelling at them, when you get an attitude about it? Who are you going to win? Who are you preaching to? Being meek, being gentle, having that about you. How much, how much of a barrier does that break that down if you're in the wrong and you admit that to somebody? If you're willing to tell them, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry about that. I was wrong there. And you show that kindness to them. People that hate you will then see what's going on. Because when it's from your heart, it is a light that will so shine. Thanks, Ralph.
They didn't say he drew a sword, did they? You know? It, it, those circumstances, you know, exactly, Romans 13 is the parallel to this of what we're reading, right? In verse 1, and those which exist are established by God. You know, verse 3, for the rulers are not a, a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. I think that's exactly right. You know, there's certain things that I think we always, there's a always an air of catastrophes on the horizon, I think, because of history. And we would see it all, we, you, you look at any kind of history as we've gone through even the past 75 years, let alone the past 150 years, you can see these things as time goes on. It's a, history sometimes seems cyclical. So we always think, okay, there's some air of catastrophe on the horizon. And we're trying to prepare for something that, is it going to be in our lifetime? You know, what were the first century Christians really preparing for? Or they, or they felt like they needed to prepare for 24-7? Jim? Exactly. That's exactly right. You're preparing for something that's not even happening. You need to prepare for something like the second coming because that's the end. On the other hand of that, don't prepare for something that you think might happen by men because of just a thought or just someone, a rumors, rumors of wars. It, that's not the way to live. The way to live is as the light for Christ. And what happens will happen. But we understand, Kathy. When Jesus sent the disciples out on their mission, mm-hmm. and he gave them a list of what they should have, there was nothing there that would cause anybody to assume that there was any aggression in the degree of no knives. They didn't have a second tunic. Well, <laughs> you know? <laughs> they didn't have any weapons. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And then what's your response if people are disrespectful to you? As simple as just move on. It wasn't retaliate. It wasn't put them in a bad place. It wasn't, hey, you need to take an eye for an eye. It was move on. Continue to move on. Did you have a hand up? That's that's it. That's your way. That is the way out for some for some of them, and a lot of them. Was there's people on the planet today that that might be the way out. We are so grateful that we don't have to be that, or we don't. Certainly at this point in time, we're not even close. But you have, you know, uh, countries like Burma, and, and and countries in Southeast Asia that are literal war zones, and it's not something that anybody has any control over. Exactly. And they still went with the authorities. 
they still submitted to the authority in that in the way of okay, I understand that following God may have that repercussion, but I'm not going to sit here and disobey that that repercussion. I'm going to handle that consequence because there's nothing physically here that is going to take away me from being with Christ again. Right? They're not letting that physical for I think for some people it might that is a temptation of just that air of rebellion because oh they're trying to take this away from me when what, about 10 years ago the 10 commandments in alabama at the state house wasn't that about 10 years ago people were thinking they were going to have to have a war there were individuals that felt that way over a physical element representing the old law first of all and that okay someone's going to knock that down what is that really i mean i see the First thing that came into my mind when, you know, looking back at that is what did what was Aaron made to do when Moses is on top of the mountain? We have to worship God. Let's make something out. Let's make something physical to worship. How important? I mean, there was a obviously a line of the thought, well, if you take that down, are you going to try to take the Bible? And we have to there's always that fear. Are you going to try to take are we going to have a book burning session? And try to take this away. I think God's done a pretty good job throughout the centuries of maintaining his word. Regardless of what man tries to do. Secondly, men put something physical to worship up. And not that people are kneeling down in front of this thing to worship. But it was a physical thing that people, whether it be denominational, were going to look at that and say... Oh, this is what this is. This is everything to me, because it's up at my state house. How much there? I love the satire of a site called Babylon Bee, and they they put up satire articles, Christian satire. And but I told Rebecca, I said, there's sometimes I think they put real articles up there because one came up that said, man more concerned about NFL protests than whether or not his neighbor believes in God. I thought to myself, that's pretty powerful. Are we more concerned about that physical thing in our face, regardless of how are we acting, that people could follow the real word? Are we working on that? You know? Oscar.
Exactly. Tim? That's pretty powerful. And that's the way a lot, let me tell you something. People are staring at us to look for one thing that would hold it, that would, just one thing to say. You may have been praying for the officer. Maybe the other driver, maybe the driver saw you do that and thought more about it. You know, the way that we act each and every day is under a magnifying glass by other people and by God. And God sees everything. Thanks for your attention. I hope this was edifying for us.